I would say these days we all need a reason for some hope, don't we? It does feel like there's a lot of hopelessness out there in the world. But there is some hope to talk about, actually, in the area of dealing with ALS. So BC, UBC, and the ALS Society of BC have all teamed up, and they have successfully raised more than $5 million. And with that money, they're establishing something uh, like a, a professorship professorship at UBC as part of something called Project Hope. We want to learn more about this because this is very significant. It can really make a difference for dealing with ALS. Dr. Eric Piero joins us now, professor of neurology at the UBC Department of Medicine, uh, lead of the ALS Society of BC's Project Hope. Dr. Piero, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Simi. It's my pleasure. Now, first off, it, maybe you could tell people what is ALS exactly? Well, ALS is the most common adult motor neuron disease, and that is a a disorder that results in degeneration of primarily motor cells. So in other words, the nerves that control our voluntary muscles. Those aren't the only sort of cells that get affected. However, we've learned that in ALS, there are other types of nerve cells that get um, affected and degenerate, including those that are responsible for our cognition, our kind of memory, our thinking, our behavior. So ALS is not only a motor neuron disease that results in progressive loss of muscle control and muscle function, but it can also affect cognition, the way that we think, the way that we behave as well. It used to be a big mystery though, didn't it? And that sounds even from the way you're describing it is that we've learned so much more about ALS. It's it's true. I mean, it still really is a mystery ever since it was first described in the uh, late 1800s by Charcot. Um, it's it's really still, you know, a, a major puzzle. What is the actual cause of ALS? And we're we're learning that there are many different forms of ALS. Um, there are some that that are inherited. In other words, there are genetic causes. And we've been learning the most in the ALS field from these genetic forms of ALS and discovering genes that cause ALS. But the vast majority of ALS is sporadic. In other words, it happens without any known um, you know, reason that we can identify. And that makes up probably around 85 or 90% of all ALS, so the vast majority. We really have no idea what's causing the disease. Now, for sure, we've learned a lot, as, as you mentioned, um, that, that there's probably a lot of things going on in our own genetic makeup, in addition to things that happen in the environment that affect us, that are you know causes together uh, that result in ALS. So this announcement then of an endowed kind of professorship at UBC to deal with this, how important and significant is this? Well, I think it's it's hugely important because you know there's been a real need for um, a, a kind of a coordinated effort to lead um, the development of clinical trials in ALS in the province of BC, so that persons living with with ALS in BC don't have to travel out of the province to participate in clinical trials where we are able to discover novel treatments for this disease. So that's one of the major advantages of having this program uh, in place with Project HOPE is to allow patients with ALS to have access to clinical trials in addition to develop and build upon the, the ALS research legacy that had been and has been going on at UBC. 
Uh, so it's a combination of, of all those efforts. And how much, like there have been strides I know that have been made in terms of ALS research, particularly in the last 10 years, hasn't there? There really has. Um, and I think, you know, as I was mentioning that it's primarily because of the genetic um, background of, of ALS and understanding how the how certain genes can result in the disease. But in addition, there's been a lot of interest uh, from pharmaceutical companies in studying ways of stopping ALS in discovering novel drugs. So there have been major advances in, in identifying novel treatments uh, for ALS. And we now have three drugs that have been approved uh, to slow down the progression of ALS that are specifically for patients uh, that have sporadic ALS, and one uh, that was approved in the United States. Uh, I don't believe it's been approved in Canada yet, uh, but is, that is specific for one of the genetic forms of ALS. Now, that's amazing because, you know, even five, 10 years ago, the thought of having any kind of medication seemed unreachable. That's right. That's right. No, we, we've really, you know, started to change the game uh, when it comes to things that we can do for uh, persons living with ALS, that, that it's, even though it still is a fatal disease and we haven't found a way to stop it, unfortunately, uh, we have found ways now of slowing it down. And so together with the, the care that's provided in multidisciplinary clinics, we can really make advances in enhancing uh, individuals' quality of life and extending their survival with these therapies. How much did the ice bucket challenge play a role in all of this? Because that really brought the whole idea of research and money, right, to the forefront. Yeah, no, that's true. I think it really, you know, raised the awareness of, of ALS worldwide. A lot of people who had no idea what ALS was started to recognize it, you know, just from the ice bucket challenge. And sometimes they were participating without really knowing what they were doing, but, but still it was an educational, uh, you know, effort and, and benefit. And, and it it raised uh, a lot of funds, as you said, for uh, advancing these, these research efforts, a lot of them being in the genetic area. And the reason that I mentioned and, and emphasize the genetic forms of ALS is that they probably have a lot of relevance to even those non-genetic or sporadic forms of ALS because the mechanisms will overlap. The reasons why these nerve cells degenerate and die is probably similar between a lot of the genetic forms and, and those that are not genetic. Right. How can we support this? So how do, what do we need to do to support this Project HOPE campaign? Well, I think, you know, raising awareness, spreading the news, talking to your friends, to your neighbors, to your loved ones, um, you know, letting them know that, that ALS is a fatal disease for which we have no way of, of stopping it, that it, it's, it devastates, you know, families in addition to, to being a disease of the individual. It, it, it just is such a disease burden on uh, the family unit, the caregiving unit. And to, you know, advance the um, kind of the understanding that, that this is a, an expensive disorder to, to have to deal with, um, not only from the research standpoint, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very expensive to run clinical trials. Um, you know, there's, there's so much um, need for that kind of support to be able to provide uh, clinical care and, and uh, clinical trials for patients with ALS but also for the individual themselves to, to pay for equipment and various things that, that are needed 
so it, it's very important to fundraise uh, to to kind of get the word out that you know providing support in any way that one can as a volunteer for the ALS Society of BC, but also to to raise funds for this effort is extremely important and very valued. All right, well, we'll do the best that we can. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you, Simi. That's Dr. Eric Piora, who's a professor of neurology at the UBC Department of Medicine and lead of the ALS Society of BC's Project Hope. For more information on that, just go to alsbc.ca and see how you can make a difference.